Amen. Amen. Church, you may be seated. You may be seated. Thanks, band. Great job. Thank y'all. If you have a copy of the scriptures, if you grab those, open up to Luke's gospel. We'll be in chapter six that we just heard read for us, uh, read over us. Um, If you're new with us, welcome. So glad you are here. We are walking through uh, Luke's gospel verse by verse. We're taking our time. We're only in chapter six. We've been in it for a long time. We started back in it last week with Dr. Baker that was preaching. Uh, We took a little break over Advent and now we're jumping back in. But let me recap a little bit of where we've been so you kind of get a a frame of reference for the life and the ministry of Christ and where we're picking up in today's text. Essentially, Jesus uh, is beginning his public ministry. He's gone up onto a mountain to pray. He pulled an all-nighter. He was praying to the Father. He was, he was uh, in prayer and he was in thought about selecting his disciples. He then uh, comes down from this mountain onto this level place and he proceeds to give this sermon to his apostles, to his disciples, to those whom he's selected. Um, And there's all these other followers that were sort of uh, on the fringes uh, that were following Jesus around. They gathered around him. And then there was also a great multitude who had heard about the miraculous signs and wonders that Christ had done. And they were gathering around Jesus as well. And so Jesus takes this opportunity coming down off of this mountain after he selected his apostles and his disciples. And he proceeds to give this sermon, if you will, to the multitudes and to those that had gathered. Many call this the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, Some believe that the Sermon on the Mount and the Sermon on the Plain are two different sermons. Uh, We won't get into that. There's similar themes in the Sermon on the Mount and this account of Luke. Some believe it's the same. Some believe it's different. But essentially, Jesus is teaching his first sermon essentially to the multitudes, not in the synagogue. And Jesus is essentially teaching, what does it mean to be a disciple? What does it mean to be a follower of Christ? And so we looked at weeks ago, months ago, the blessings and the woes that he went through. Uh, We looked at how Jesus describes authentic discipleship as a reversal of values, that the Christian values the things the world does not. It's this upside-down kingdom that Jesus is painting the picture for those that would follow him and believe by faith. We looked at the next section, which no one really likes to look at, which is loving your enemies, which is so difficult. And Jesus describes this remarkable kind of life and this remarkable kind of heart that those, even whom we would count as our enemies, we would be merciful toward in light of who Christ is and his kingdom. And then last week, Dr. Baker uh, grabbed the reins and he was walking through the other section of how Jesus is describing and embodying this and how we as one that is a disciple of Christ should not be judgmental, but be forgiving and we should be generous and merciful as our heavenly father is merciful and generous. That we should uh, take the log out of our own eye before we try to remove the speck out of our brother's eye. We'd have generous hearts and we would be, uh, we would be self-aware. 
And now here, this sermon, this sermon on the mount, this sermon on the plain that Jesus is teaching is sort of coming to a conclusion. It's coming to an end here at the end of Luke chapter six. And Jesus concludes by giving us two analogies. He gives us an analogy about a fruit bearing tree that we just read, an analogy about building a house, a well-built house, a house built on a foundation. And I think like in any great sermon, uh, Jesus gives us a model here because he uh, calls for a decision at the end, doesn't he? And he asks them uh, a decision about how you really want to build your life and what you really want to do to be my disciple. And he gives very plainly what it means, how to be an authentic disciple. And his words are challenging, but church, be reminded that they come from Christ, they come from Jesus, and they're, def- they're filled with his divine wisdom, and they come from a place of love. So a lot of this, the end of the sermon is self-evaluation, self-reflection. What does it mean to live the authentic life of a Christian as Christ is teaching us in this sermon? Well, kind of to set the stage, we live in sort of a world of uh, counterfeits, don't we? It's sort of all over the place. Uh, I know like back in the day, if you're old enough, when you would go to Blockbuster and you'd rent a movie, they'd have that big warning. It's like, if you copy and counterfeit this movie and try to sell it, it's subject to your $30,000 fine. And that always freaked me out as a kid. I was like, oh my goodness, let's not. And then when the burning of DVDs came out, you were panic stricken when your friend handed. So counterfeits are everywhere. Counterfeits are now. In fact, I was in here last week. We were doing a little prayer service and, um, Someone, right after the prayer service, uh, this group I was with, one of the young ladies goes, oh, I love those shoes. Are those the new New Balances? She goes, oh, no, they're just off Amazon. They just look like it. They change the N ever so slightly so you can't tell, right? So it's like we try to counterfeit fashion things and shoes. We counterfeit watches, right? If you can go travel to New York City, you can buy a Rolex for like $23, right? And it's things are counterfeited. We counterfeit everything. We even counterfeit silly things like uh, baseball and basketball cards. It's this whole ca- culture of copying the original, but it's not real. Um, it's, it's, it's counterfeit. And when you find out that something maybe that was given to you or something that you thought was real and you later find out it's a counterfeit, does it hold the same level of value to you anymore once you find out it's counterfeit? Okay, good. Yeah, great. I didn't know if anyone would answer. No. It's like you find out it's counterfeit. You're like, this is worthless. What? Or you knew it was counterfeit and you're like, I'm just going to try to pass it off. And someone's like real impressed. And you're like, oh, well, it's actually fake. And they're like, what? It's this this weird system. It doesn't hold any value anymore. It's counterfeit art. It's like, it's, it's worthless. And here in this passage, this is essentially what Jesus is sort of leaning in to those that are listening to this sermon as he's concluding it. He's giving us this, these two analogies to say, are you an authentic disciple of mine? And this is what it looks like. Are you the real deal? Or he's making sure he's not producing or that we're not walking and being knockoff disciples, so to speak that we might look the parts, but internally it's not there. The components aren't real. The author's brush strokes didn't actually paint it. We're just faking it. 
And so Jesus is leaning into self-examination and then obedience as he's walking through his, his, his first sermon to the multitudes. And he's giving us two simple marks of, authentic, of authentic discipleship. First of all, the first mark of authentic discipleship, as we just heard read over us, is it comes from the heart. And secondly, as we look at in the second story, is authentic discipleship is displayed in obedience to Christ and his word. All right, so what does that mean? Notice verse 43. Jesus says, he starts with this analogy, for no good tree bears bad fruits, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruits. So here, Jesus in this analogy, in this fruit-bearing analogy of bearing good fruits and bearing bad fruits is getting to our nature. He's getting to the inside. He's getting to what makes us up. He says, the real issue is what kind of tree are you? And he addresses who you really are, who you really are inside matters because that is what produces everything that comes outside of you. He says that we will bear fruits in correspondence to our nature for a good tree will bear good fruits or likewise a bad tree will bear bad fruit. It's not complicated. You almost don't even need to explain it any more than that. It like makes sense, right? A good tree with good fruit produces good fruit. A bad one doesn't. It's not complicated. So Jesus gives us this very simple analogy that verse 44, it is known by its fruits. Now, I love, uh, I love trees. I love fruit trees. I don't know if anyone has a fruit tree in their backyard or has tried to grow fruit trees. It's hard. It's difficult. Uh, maybe if you're good at it, I could take some notes. I have a fig tree that I bought probably, I don't know, eight or nine years ago. And I had it in a little pot and it moved with us like four different times to four different places. And I kept it in the pot and we moved about four years ago into the home that we're living in now, me and my family. And we, I put it in the ground uh, in spring and it, I loved every time it would, it would produce fruit, these delicious figs. I believe it's a Celeste fig tree and I fertilized it and I watered it and I put it in the ground and it went from the pot to the ground. It looked so dinky. I thought it was big, but once you put it in the dirt, it was like, oh, is this, is this it? It looks so vulnerable. And then a few years back, the big freeze came, which I know we've got another one coming and we're all sort of panicked about um, because that's what we do here in Houston. We panic about freezes and pipes and all that, you know, all of our trees and we have like tarps on everything. And so I got, I tried to protect it a few years ago, but the freeze was too great. It just, it killed the little thing. It didn't have time to really root in effectively. And I was in a silly way. I was really sad. My little tree died, right? I was like, What? It's like this eight-year-long process of fertilizing and loving this little fig tree and when little figs would pop up, and then all of a sudden the weather just knocked it out. The freeze knocked it out. And I thought it was gone, and I left it. I didn't just rip it up. I was like, I don't know, maybe I could nurse it back to life. And uh, spring rolled around, the warm temperatures came back, and out of the roots, essentially, out of the stump, I saw a shoot, and then another shoot, and now I have a fig bush. It was a little tree, and now it's like a bush. All these shoots uh, grew up off of it, and it's bigger than the tree was originally. After it had really rooted into the dirt, and it took root, and I know it's the same fig tree. Why? Because of the fruit it produces. Because of the fruit it produces. And it was grafted in its roots. It had that DNA. It had that makeup. 
And Jesus says in a similar way, he says, you will know what kind of tree you are, what kind of person you are by the fruit that you yield, by what is uh, experienced by those around you, what you taste like, essentially. In other words, our outer actions reveal who we really are. Are we authentic disciples? So it's a call here. Christ is calling those that are listening and he's calling you and I today to self-examination. Paul in a different context, the apostle Paul in Galatians 5 uses a similar analogy to a fruit-bearing tree where he talks about the fruit of the spirit. Uh, he, He talks about the works of the flesh are evident and he walks through all of these sins that the flesh produce that are evident. And then he goes and contrasts it to the life of those saved by Christ that are now producing good fruit by the Holy Spirit of God. And he talks about this beautiful thing of the 